0: Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Being a movie star has its ups and downs. I assume, anyway. Sure, you have fame and fortune, but one bad film and it can be lights out for your career. As movies get more and more expensive to make, and actors demand more money for the roles they play, the expectation of success grows exponentially higher. Studios place a lot of pressure on certain stars to deliver big box office numbers. It must seem bad enough for an actor to feel responsible for a film's success, but imagine being an actor and being responsible for an entire economy. That's Adam Chang's burden to bear. Chang was the star of a Chinese television drama that debuted in late 1992. Titled The Greed of Man, the series focused on two childhood friends and their influence on the Asian stock exchange once they reached adulthood. It was a soap opera about power, corruption, and family. And even though it only ran for a short time, it became a huge hit. Forty episodes aired, and the show can still be watched in reruns today. Adam Chang played the character of Ting Hai, a man who, spoiler alert, killed the corrupt leader of the Asian Stock Exchange over a woman they both loved. The murder resulted in a catastrophic economic crash, sparking poverty, violence, and even war. And that was just on the TV show. But reality wasn't much different. When the series first aired on October 5, 1992, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index fell by almost 600 points. In September 2000, an unofficial sequel titled Divine Retribution aired and the index dropped a total of 1,715 points, a crash so powerful that it led to instability across other markets. Fifteen years later, television stations began airing reruns of The Greed of Man and Divine Retribution, and the Hang Seng fell once more by almost 560 points that day. If the stock market crashed every time these television shows aired, then why did networks show them at all? That's because the eerie phenomenon wasn't limited to just these two series. The Hang Seng fell more than 2,000 points in November 1994 after the series Instinct first aired followed by another sharp drop of 300 points two years later when a series called Once Upon a Time in Shanghai debuted. The trend continued for shows like Cold Blood, Warm Heart, Bladeheart, and Master of Play. Master of Play alone triggered a 10% drop. From October of 1992 all the way to April of 2015, there were 15 separate instances of the Hang Seng Index posting significant losses all of which were tied to the premieres of various television shows. And the X Factor tying them all together? Adam Chang The Ting effect, as it's called, has such a reputation that academic papers have been written trying to explain where the phenomenon came from and why it keeps happening. Some economists believe that superstitious brokers in China sell off stock right before a Chang series premiere, thus inadvertently triggering the crash themselves. What started out as a market anomaly seems to have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. But die-hard believers don't buy that explanation. To them, a new Adam Chang series is a harbinger of doom for their portfolios. Bloggers have even called for stations airing Chang's series to be charged with manipulating the markets and for any future projects of his to be canceled. But the Ting Hai effect hasn't affected the man supposedly behind it. Despite the pleas from bloggers and investors. Chang still acts in films and television shows today with over 70 credits to his name, and he's not bothered by what people say about him either. It just can't be true, but I'm used to it now, he said. To him, the whole thing is nothing but a bit of dramatic fiction. We tend to believe what we learn in history class is set in stone. It's unchanging. We don't think about implicit biases or who is writing the history we read. The going philosophy is, if it's in a textbook, it must be true. Nowadays, we know that's not always the case and that history literally is written by the victors. Cultures have been lost or whitewashed due to controversy or inconvenience for those holding the pens. Take Australia, for example. According to the history books, the Dutch were the first group of Europeans to set foot in Australia in 1606. Willem Janszoon and 29 other Dutch sailors navigated its coasts, calling it New Holland. 100 years later, the British did what they always did upon arriving in a new land. They colonized it. Pretty soon, all of Australia belonged to England. Like I said, that's what the history books tell us. But the history books don't tell us everything. If reports are true, even the Dutch weren't the first to stroll across Australia's shores. A century earlier, a group of Portuguese explorers were said to have crashed off the southern coast, their ship going lost in what is now Armstrong Bay. But what happened to the men aboard remains a mystery, even now. Reports of a shipwreck didn't appear until the 19th century when dozens of eyewitnesses claimed to have seen it surface from beneath the waves. One moment, its jagged wooden frame would rise from the depths. The next, it had slipped away again like a mirage. The mahogany ship, they called it, though it wasn't actually made of mahogany. Its unique design appeared to be made of a dark wood, different from other vessels. Rumors swirled as stories of the wreck circulated around the region. It was a Spanish galleon filled with gold doubloons, or it was really three separate hulls that came and went with the tide. Accounts were varied, but there was enough consistent detail across all of them to lend credibility to the original claim, that a small ship, not of Dutch origin, had crashed and sunk off the coast of Australia. Original witnesses claimed it came from Spain or Peru, given the prominence of such ships as the Santa Isabel or the Santa Ana. However, the theory of it being Portuguese was first proposed in a 1977 book by Australian historian Kenneth McIntyre. According to McIntyre, the mahogany ship had joined two others from Portugal on a secret expedition to find the Isles of Gold. Led by Portuguese explorer Cristóbal de Mendonza, the ship set sail into Spanish-owned waters, careful to avoid upsetting Spain by claiming land within its territory. Upon discovering Australia, one of the ships crashed, which spooked Mendonza and forced him and his men to return to Portugal. Any records of the crash or the voyage were locked away forever. Ever since, the stories surrounding the mahogany ship have turned it from a myth into a full-blown legend. Searches for its remains have been ongoing since the late 1890s. Towns, private companies, and nonprofits have all sponsored investigations into the ship's whereabouts, but nothing has ever turned up. Any artifacts or wooden pieces dredged up from the water have been debunked as parts of other wrecks, which have made searching for this particular ship very difficult. Speculation surrounding the mahogany ship's provenance has also changed with the passing decades, as one set of evidence negates another, and historians all over the world argue as to the vessel's origin. But the one thing everyone can agree on is that somewhere, beneath the sand and sea, is a ghost ship, haunting the minds of those who dare to believe. And one day, when it finally surfaces for good, it may very well change everything we know about an entire continent. And for modern historians, that's sure to give them a rise. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities.